cute, ugly, cute, ugly, okay, not. Is it enlightening? Is it sad? Did you hear him say? Linda, I do this every time with you. A three-year-old boy who had learned how to reason with his mother. And if you, if you listened, he often said the very same thing she said. A three-year-old boy who has learned to control his mother. It's funny to watch. When I first saw it, it was. But that's a boy that's going to control his mother. Because you see, he's learned from her words. Linda, Linda, listen, listen! And here's what's going to happen to mom. He's going to win. Because he's going to exhaust her. He's going to win. Because he's going to exhaust her. And then one day he's going to marry a woman. And he knows how to control women. And he's going to exhaust his, his wife. And he'll win. If they stay married. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we do... I'd like to ask you if you've got your Bibles, open them to the book of Proverbs. That's the middle of your Bible. Really, if you open the middle of your Bible, you ought to hit Psalms. That's the largest book in the Bible. Proverbs follows that. I hope you have a worship handout. Because all the verses I'm going to use are in the worship handout. Because as parents... I want you to be aware of them, and as grandparents, okay? Let me say something about Proverbs before we get going. Is that Proverbs, I don't, it's, it's a wisdom book. Solomon wrote most of it. He wrote three wisdom books. Uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. I don't think Proverbs is a book written for doctrinal purposes. Though some people would quote Proverbs as a doctrinal purpose, but... And I don't think Proverbs are absolute in the sense they always come true. Because I think you could do everything some of these Proverbs say in, and in relationship to the situation because it deals with family, work. Oh, Proverbs is a great work. I, I've said it before. If I would have had it do over again, I would have read the book of Proverbs when my children were beginning to understand me read the Bible. I'd read one or two verses or three, whatever been appropriate, not a chapter, every day of their life. Proverbs, I believe, if a person follows the Proverbs, they'll grow close to God. I think Proverbs is only given to us to help govern our lives. And yet it may be, for many people, a book never read. 
I think if you're a grandparent and you get sort of frustrated with the next, the next generation, read Proverbs. Maybe you'll identify some reasons why. And so when we look at it, I want you to understand, I, I just think it's a, there are wisdom statements given to us by God through a man, most of it, a man named Solomon, to help us in governing our lives so that we can be close to Him. I think if you look at people who aren't close to God, you can see they break Proverbs, many of the teachings. Many of the instructions. They just didn't learn the lessons. But before we look on this subject, I would like to call attention in the worship handout if you have it. There's an article about Celebrate Recovery Training. We're going to send a team of four people to an East Coast Summit. And it's going to cost us $5,000. Now, if you're, if you're visiting because you're family or, or you're not regular connection, this isn't to you. Okay, connection people. We need to raise that $5,000. Right now, we're at $2,400. And so I need you to consider what you might give toward that $5,000. And I'd just like you to read that article and think about that and maybe consider getting one of the envelopes out there that says celebrate, see our training and drop it in the box. Okay? Tell you what, before we go on, Let's bow together for prayer. God, help me to get out of the way here. Because you know my feelings on what I'm going to talk about. Help us to understand your word. And Father, help us to see our children. Help us to see our families. Help us to see ourselves, God, and what we're going to look at. Help us to be truthfully, brutally truthful about what we see today. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Look, God wants a relationship with us. That's what He created us for. We had time to go into that. We talked about that. That's all God wants, a relationship with us. That's why He made us His special creation. Not the birds, not the flowers, not the trees, not the bees. Though those are ours to enjoy, that's the nursery God created for us. We are His special creation. He wants a relationship with us. Our problem is that as we live life, we tend to make wrong decisions. We tend to do things, the Bible says, to know what God wants you to do and do it. Not as sin. We tend to sin. We, we have problems in that relationship because of the decisions. The wrong decisions we make. Oh, I want to blame my wife sometimes whenever I have problems having a relationship with God in my marriage. I want to blame my children sometimes whenever I have problems of a relationship with God in my family. But you see, we make the wrong decisions. And what God has always tried to do is continue to reach us that's what the Bible is all about. God's constantly trying to reach us. And so what He ended up doing? He ended up coming to this earth, God the Son, and giving His life on the cross for us. Telling us that it is through understanding what Jesus has done for us and learning to live and love like Jesus in whatever situation we find ourselves. As a husband, as a father, as, as a laborer, as a community person. That we discover the potential of the relationship with God. The goodness. God never made it hard. He's never hid it from us. We're the ones who continue to make the wrong decisions. And so Jesus came and He gave His life on the cross. And he was buried. And He rose from the dead. 
Now, you can't check that out. You can't go back and talk with Jesus. But you can, the same way we'd evaluate other events of antiquity and other characters of antiquity, you can read people who saw Him alive. There is more manuscript evidence validating that they saw Him alive than there is any other, listen to me, any other, listen to me, any other event of human iniquity. And yet the world tells us you can't believe it. It's a myth. I don't have time to talk about that. I talk about that from time to time. Because connection, people need to have that confidence. And why does God give us that certainty? Because He wants this. He wants a relationship with us. Now I'm going to say something. If a person does not learn to honor the authority of Jesus Christ in their life, they are constantly in conflict in relationship with God. Hence, if a person does not learn to honor the authority of Jesus Christ in their life, they are in constant conflict in their relationship with God. Hence, they're in conflict with the people they love. Because God is love. And He teaches us how to love. The world teaches us a different way. But God teaches us the correct way. In 1839, a Scottish clergyman named Robert Murray McCheen wrote this. Listen to it. Most of God's people are content to be saved from the hell that is without. Most of God's people are content to be saved from the hell, you know, heaven and hell. The hell that is without. They are not so anxious to be saved from the hell that is within. Jesus Christ came, folks. The New Testament says He came to give me victory over death. That's the hell without. But also it says His death on the cross and His resurrection, He came for the purpose of giving me victory over sin. That's the hell within. Parents are given the opportunity. Grandparents are given the opportunity to help their children and their grandchildren be saved from the hell that is within. As well as the hell that is without. And this morning I want to speak to that. Because that is my concern for our children and our grandchildren. So you may say, well, I'm not a parent. But I'm going to tell you, you are a person that influences children. Even if you're not a parent or a grandparent. And definitely, if you're a grandparent, you influence your children. Your grandchildren. The title of my sermon is Bringing Up Baby. That's what it's all about. Because you see, the raising of children... I believe is of the utmost importance. The raising of children affects family relationships. The raising of children affects society's well-being. The raising of children improves our economy. So I don't know where you come from. But maybe you're just a person, you work hard and it's all about money. The raising of children will improve our economy. But the most important thing about raising children is that 
it affects him or her, the child, the most. Whenever I was in school, there was that little uh, cliche, though it was before my time, that when you go to school, you are to learn the three R's. One of them was reading. Second one was writing. Third one was arithmetic. Of course, what we do now, we tell teachers they've got to teach a lot more R's, okay? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. I believe there's two more R's that a child must learn. A child must learn respect, and a child must learn responsible. If a child, and I believe the only place, the main place, not the only place, the main place where these two R's are taught are in the home. Makes no difference if there's two parents or one parent. Makes no difference if grandma or grandpa is raising the kids. If the child does not learn those two R's at home, respect and responsible, that child's going to grow up and have trouble, listen, respecting God and respecting other people. And that child's not going to see the responsibility of the relationship with God and with other people. I'm not saying that child's going to grow up and be a bad person. Respect and responsible. If you do not teach your child to respect God and others, then your child will not be responsible toward God and others. Today, I want to share with you what God says about raising up children. Now listen, I'm just one man. If what you're doing works, then keep doing it. Did you hear me? Because somebody's saying, Mike's saying they got to do it his way. No. Matter of fact, this isn't going to regular sermon. It's going to be overloaded with scriptures. If what you're doing works, then keep doing it. You're probably an adult that grew up and you know how to respect people and you're responsible. How about toward the authority of Jesus Christ in your life? And when it comes to the authority of Jesus Christ in your life, then how about being responsible? Because you respect all human beings that you forgive that person who hurt you and crushed you in the worst way. If what you're doing works, you keep doing it. But if you notice you have some difficulties with your children, your grandchildren, then I invite you to listen to what I say in the next few minutes. If you have your worship handout, there's a place filling blanks. The first blank. This is what I wrote. God uses the word discipline. That's the blank. God uses the word discipline in regard to raising up children. That's His word. This is not a word we like to use in our society. Let me stop for a minute. The reason I do this is because it's my hope you would take this home, fill in, you'd fill in the blanks here, take this home, and you'd look over this with the Scriptures this week, and maybe God would even speak to you more than just through my message. And so I want you to understand, God uses the word discipline in regard to raising up children. That is not a word we like to use in our society. Look at number one there. That's it. God's kind of discipline is not beating children up. That's what everybody thinks when you talk about children. Discipline. 
God's kind of discipline is not beating children up. Listen, so that they will be good for. And that for is big. For you, that's not the reason we discipline. That's never what God says discipline is for. That's not what He disciplines. And He does discipline. It's not so that we will be good for. Number two there, God's kind of discipline is raising up children for their own good. That's why God disciplines me. For my own good. Not to beat me up. And so when we talk about discipline, we're not talking about beating children up. That's what everybody thinks. We discipline children and grandchildren for their own good. Let me give you some illustrations. A mother tells her child to pick up the toys. The child refuses, so the mother spanks the child. I go to that form of discipline because a lot of folks don't like that form. Now, why does a mother spank the child? It should be because, now listen, it should be because the mother wants the child to learn to honor her authority. It's not for the purpose that a child learns to pick up toys. And we got that all backwards, what we're told. A father tells his child to stop fighting with his sister. And his child refuses to stop fighting with his sister. So his father says, I tell you what, sit and time out. That's what so many use today. Why does he, why does he discipline his child to sit and time out? It should be because the father wants the child to understand he has to learn to honor his father's authority. It's not because he doesn't want him to fight with sisters. You think you're going to stop that until a kid matures? Or a parent. A parent has a child that's sitting to eat and the child refuses to eat. Of course, most of you put too much food on the child's plate, see? So you're going to lose anyway. But a parent tells the child, you eat your food. The child refuses to eat the food. And so the parent says, I'll tell you what, you'll go to bed a half hour earlier tonight than normal because you wouldn't eat your food. Now go play or go watch TV, whatever they do. I know you'd say, well, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> if he's like that three-year-old, they'll wear you out and get their way anyway because you get exhausted. Why does the parent, why does the parent say, go to bed half hour early? It should be because the parent's trying to teach the child to honor the parent's authority. Not to teach a child how to eat. Do you think the child's not going to grow up and eat? Look at the next blank on your worship handout. Discipline is all about learning to honor authority. Discipline is all about learning to honor authority in our lives. Lives that learn to honor authority tend to be healthy and growing lives. Whether you agree with me or not, please listen. Please listen to what I say. So now if you've got your Bibles open to Proverbs you go to the 13th chapter. If you're not already there, 13th chapter, 24th verse. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. It's on your worship handout. Look at that 24th verse. The Bible says this. 
those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Not, not teaching children to honor authority is not a good thing. Because you're teaching children not to be respectful and be responsible. And you'd say, no, I'm not. Watch those children grow up and see how respectful and responsible they are toward God. And watch them and see how respectful and responsible. Matter of fact, they'll take your money. They'll tell you they're going to pay you back and never give it back to you. They'll borrow your things and they'll never bring it back. And you say, those are little things. That's what respect and responsible teaches. They'll tell you they'll show up and they won't show up. Because they've not learned to honor authority. A child is a blank slate. And God wants you and I to understand that. And He wants us to realize we give the imprint on the blank slate. Who are we? Mom or dad? Or mom and dad? Grandpa? Or grandma? Or grandpa and grandma? We're the ones that imprint the blank slate. Helping a child learn to honor authority is helping a child with the first priority that you ought to write on their slate. And you know, most of us can't wait till they catch a ball. We can't wait till they take their first step. We can't wait till they say their first word. And boy, when they go out to school, we say, oh, I'm getting old. And to teach a child to honor authority should be the first priority as parents and grandparents and family members. The Bible says this. Look on the screen because I don't want to take time to keep turning to the Bible. You've got it on your worst hand out. Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them destroy themselves. What? Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. If a parent does not teach a two and three year old to learn to honor authority, you're helping that two or three year old destroy themselves. Oh, I know. Many of you are probably saying, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. You see, a two and three year old learns to honor authority. Sit down. Nope. You can't talk. Because a two and three year old will become a four and five year old and go off to kindergarten. And in kindergarten, the teacher will say, now we've got to sit down. We're going to read this little book. Open up your book. And this two and three year old that you allowed not to learn to honor your authority won't sit down. Won't open the book. And the teacher has to keep pulling. The teacher has to keep pleading, using every resource the teacher can. But you see, the two R's, respect and authority, was never taught to two and three year old, and now they're four and five. Now listen to me. Discipline children while they're young enough to learn. Two and three. Don't you realize why God made parents bigger than kids? If you don't, you are helping them to us. Because here's what happens. That two and three year old becomes that four and five year old. Here's what happens. For a week, that four and five year old refuses to do what that teacher says. And in a week, they're one book behind. In two weeks, they're two books behind. In six months, they're behind. And the kid doesn't know why. And the parents blame the teacher being ineffective. 
It's because, you see, God said, discipline your child while they're young enough to learn. When they're two and three, you didn't understand that. Because they didn't learn to honor authority, that's all discipline is about in the Scriptures. Whether it's from God or it's from parents. You have set that child on a track to destroy themselves. Because here's what happens. They become a 16-year-old. And they don't get hired like some 16-year-olds. Because you see, they've learned to fall fallen behind. And they've not learned to respect and, and, and responsibility. And they can't relate, relate like some 16 and 17-year-olds. And all of a sudden, they don't honor their supervisor at one of these simple jobs. If you're a teenager and your parents have taught you to honor authority, after this service, you ought to go home and hug them both or one or however many you got. But you see, that kid already is falling behind now as a laborer. And then they try to go out and they put in applications, but they can't keep the job. And they can't understand why. And it's always the people's fault they're putting in the job with or the supervisor's fault. And it's because, you see, nobody taught them to honor authority. And now they can't hold down the kind of job that might be necessary to live in this society. And then they get married. And they can't understand whether it's a female or a male. Why can't I stay in a relationship? Because you see, you can't stay married if you don't learn to honor the authority of your mate. If you're a man, you learn to honor the authority of that female. Or if you're a woman, you learn to honor the authority of that male. You see, that's so true. Why they're young? I contend that starts at two and three. Now it doesn't stop. But if you don't, you're just helping them destroy themselves. Now how do we know if a child's like that? Listen to me. You're always pulling the child instead of talking the child along the life. How do you know if that's happening? You're always getting exhausted because you've got to convince them instead of helping them understand through explanation. It seems like what, voices always get loud instead of voices able to be calm. The Bible says this. Look at Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Don't fail to correct your children you won't kill them by being from... You know, this society says we're going to kill babies. That's what they say. You spank your kid, your kid's going to grow up and be violent. Of course, what the doctors say, you have a baby, don't take it to church for a month to six weeks. Look around you, the older folks. They went to church one day after they were born. Where's the survey of all the deaths that occurred? Now please, follow your doctor's advice. I'll be patient. I just want you to understand. When we talk about correcting children, you're not going to kill them by being firm. It says, and it may even save their lives, and it will. I'm telling you, it will. They'll be the kind of kid that the teacher says I like to have in school. They'll be the kind of ball player in the little league, even though they don't have much skill, the coach says I like to have them on the team. They'll be the kind of worker that the supervisor says, oh, they're not perfect, but they're easy to work with. You'll save their lives. 
Your consistent correction when they're two and three is of most importance. Not to control them so that when you take them somewhere, they're good for you. So they learn to honor authority. Because now all those people God has in their life to help them become that potential of that relationship ones, they're willing to respect them and be responsible toward them. Look at Proverbs 29.15 on the screen. Wise discipline imparts wisdom. Spoiled adolescence embarrasses their parents. A child that learns to honor authority will show wisdom. I'm not talking about smarts in the brain. Gee whiz. I'm not talking about you educate your child be smart in the brain. That's a good thing to do. I'm glad there's smarts in the brain, people. We're talking about wisdom that understands respect and understands responsibility to the authority of Jesus Christ and what He'd want in relationship to others. Spoiled 8-year-olds through 18-year-olds tend to do what to their parents? Embarrass them. What do they do to their grandparents? They embarrass them. That's what God is saying is going to happen. And what are you going to teach that? Man, come on, kid, you're 15 years old. You need to get together. Two and three. Two and three. And then when they're gone four and five and they're in school, my kids heard this. If you get in trouble with a teacher, sometimes you make mistakes, okay. But if I don't hear about it before somebody tell from you, before somebody tells me, the discipline will be worse. Why? I want to realize that teacher, that teacher is me when they're at school. And has all that authority. If you got a problem, child, and they're only a problem because you see God made you bigger and He's given you so much ability to be consistent, you want to blame the teacher. That child's going to grow up. When we're seven years old, five years old, and you're just embarrassed. The Bible says this. Look on the screen. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your children. You'll be glad you did. They'll turn out delight. They'll turn out delightful to live with. Everyone knows that's true. Every one of us knows that's true. A child who learns to honor authority is always a delight. Teachers say, I like your child. They're a delight. Grandparents and neighbors and friends say, I don't mind your child. They're a delight. Look at the last blank on your worship handout. The reason we need to use discipline to teach our children to honor authority is because we live in a society that always doubts the benefit of authority. Now this is my statement, folks. The benefit of authority in our lives. So we choose to make selfish and self-centered decisions. I don't think the pastors make the best decision for me. I don't think the policeman's making the best decision for me. I don't think the President of the United States is making the best decision for me. I don't think my representative is making the best decision for me. I don't think the principal at the school is making the best decision for me. I don't think the teacher is making the best decision for me. Listen, I only know one person who never makes the best decision. That's you. 
Because you decide everybody else makes them wrong. And in a sense, you crap all over those people with your not authority honoring statements. And your children and grandchildren are growing up to be just like you. You see, we're being taught to doubt any authority in our lives. The statement was made many years ago, democracy will last as long as people will believe in the next people they elect. And we don't believe in any of those crooks. That's what we say. And so what do this two and three year old grows up in a society like that? Because that's all they hear mom and dad talk about at the table and grandpa and grandma. They grow up and they say, I'm not going to honor authority. Because you see, we live in a society that always doubts the benefit of authority. Some of you grandpas and grandmas are the most valuable thing your children, grandchildren have. But their mom and dads were not consistent in teaching about honor authority. As hard as you try, it's like hitting your head against a brick wall. And so what happens? Those kids grow up to make selfish and self-centered decisions because you see, that's still what dad does. And dad is not an 8-year-old. Dad is a 28 or a 38-year-old. And then the dad explains it by saying, well, I'm sorry, that's just my character. Well, listen, you're hearing some truth. Don't let Mike Davis change your character. Let, listen to me, let your recognition of the authority of Jesus Christ in your life change your character to live in love like Him. It can impact your child. And if you're a grandparent, it can impact your grandparent. But you've got to make the decision to stop making the wrong decision, start making the right decision. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22.15. Look on the screen. Young people are prone. Now listen, we know this is true. Young people are prone to foolishness and fads. The cure comes through tough-minded discipline. Why in the world of my grandchild, why did my kid do that? God said, I want you to understand. If you teach children to honor authority, oh, they're going to get caught up with fads. They're going to get caught up with foolishness. I did. Of course, some of us that are grandparents, we lie and we say we never did. But you see, the thing that's going to keep... Wait a minute, we've got to go to the next verse. You didn't put it up there. Young people are prone to foolishness and fads. The things that will help them overcome those foolishness and fads is tough-minded discipline. And by tough-minded, it means consistent discipline. Discipline that doesn't give up with a two- and three-year-old. And then the four- and five-year-old. And then the seven- and eight-year-old. And that's a growing process in their lives of learning to honor authority with respect and responsibility. In the New Testament, the Bible says this, Ephesians. And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children. Making them angry and resentful. Oh man, you don't think that three-year-old was resentful of mom? You just saw what's cute, not what's ugly. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, rather, rather bring them up with a loving discipline. The Lord Himself approves. Look, look, I started this all saying God was in a relationship with me. With you. But we make wrong decisions. 
So God does zap us. God reaches us. Right now, some of you people are in your 60s and 70s and God is trying to get a relationship with you, man. Right now through my words. Because some of this is making sense to you. That's His loving discipline to you. It corrects you. I know that. Like it does me. But it's His love. Because He loves you, man, that much. Loving discipline the Lord Himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. I'm going to say again, if you find yourself using harsh words, if the curse words are coming out, if you're always telling, if you're not helping them to go on the journey by explaining, you're going to make your child angry. You're going to make your child resentful. And here's what they're going to learn. Yeah, dad mom says this, grandpa and grandma says this, but sit at their table. They don't practice it. They'll shoot every authority in the community down. Because they got all the answers. And so what do you got? You've got a child or a grandchild who's got all the answers in relationship to you. And it burns you terribly. If you're not consistently taking the time to talk them with a loving voice through their bad experiences, if you're not being consistent with that, you already know your child's got problems. It's not because... Somebody's trying to say they're a problem child. It's because you see, it starts when they're two and three. Listen, my family is here. They're blessing me to be here today. When my kids were one and a half to two, all the way through five to six and seven. But six and seven, they didn't have to do it as much. We could do it around the table. Pick up your toys. Just use that. Stop fighting. Use that. Each food. I'd go over there to them. They remember, they probably don't, they're too young. And I'd get down on my knee with them. And I'd put them on my knee and I'd tell them how much I love them. How important it is to do what daddy says or mama says. And I never left that on Laura's shoulders. You know why? I was always stronger than Laura. My kids never wanted to be spanked by me. Lord hit them and it hurt her. My boldest son right here, John, look at him. He's a bull. When he's four, Lord says, I can't hurt him. I said, then pull his pants down. <laughs> but I'd put him on my lap and I'd say, listen, Daddy wants you to pick up your toys because it's time for Blah, 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 blah. I'd go through all that. And then I'd say, I want you to understand. I'm going to go back over and sit in my chair. And I'm going to tell you, pick up your toys. I'd go in my chair and I'd sit down, do whatever I was doing, and I'd say, oh, by the way, Rachel, pick up your toys. I'd get out of my chair. Listen, they eventually and they start picking toys. I'd go over there. I'd kneel down. Come here. No, she don't want to come here. She knows what's going to happen. Sit on my lap and say, I love you. I love you so much. But Daddy told you to pick up your toys. That's what I did it, Daddy. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But you see, Daddy had to get up. Probably no harder than that. You thought she got the death penalty. And I wouldn't let go. I'd hug him. I'd hold him. My dad disagreed with my discipline. He says, You cannot punish a child and then love a child. My father in law said, I've never seen discipline apply like that. That is so good. And I'd love him until they quit crying. Oh, you know what they try? Because they're like that three-year-old they want to control me. So they keep going, ah, 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 
I'd say, honey, you just keep crying because that hurt, didn't it? Yeah, you keep crying. Let me tell you what a kid doesn't want you to tell him to keep doing something. <laughs> now, there's more to this story. See, that's the two and three and four and five-year-old discipline. That way if a teacher has to correct them, and I'm going to tell you, most teachers are pretty unselfish people. Oh, they're stubborn. I've learned that in 40 years. Teachers can be stubborn. But they're very unselfish. If that child learns the caress of love and discipline, that teacher's able to just put their arm around that student. And say, now honey, I care about you. But you've got to open your book. And that child remembers. But it's whether the parent will do that. Is there anything on TV? Is there any event you could go to? Is there anything you can eat? Is there anything you can do that's more important than teaching that child to honor authority? Well, you will decide. And you will react accordingly. The Bible says this. Let's finish this. Look at Proverbs. Look at the next verse. 22.6 Come on, most of you, if you had any church background, I kept it in the King James. You know, I've used different translations because most of you learn of King Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm going to tell you, a child that learns to honor the authority of Jesus Christ in their life and the authority of other human beings in their life is a child that will hold on to that because they know it's the right way. They know it brings about, listen, dividends. Some children... They will respect you to just manipulate you. But this kind of child knows this makes life best for them. A child that learns to honor the authority will be a blessing to those around them, their own family, and the family they start one day. But some of you, listen, you're a 45-year-old father or a 35-year-old father, and you're not the blessing God wants you to be to your family because you refuse to honor the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, He's Lord. I'm not telling you you're going to die. not going to spend eternity with Him. And some of you mamas and grandmas, you've got adult children that you can't understand why. Because you see, you refuse to honor the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. And you're not a bad person. And you and I will be playing ball or shoot pool together in heaven. But you know, in this life, when our relationship is not right in honoring Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives, it creates so much conflict and that conflict just is crushing you. Don't stay there. Remember, the most important authority you will teach your child is the authority of Jesus Christ in their life decisions. And how will you do that? Send them off to church? You will do that by your words. In regard to Jesus Christ. You will do that by your actions. In regard to Jesus Christ. You will do that by. Their exposure to your involvement. In the things of Jesus Christ. You will teach them to honor the authority of Jesus Christ. Because they will say I saw mama. Or I saw daddy. Or I saw mom and daddy. Or I saw grandma. I saw Grandpa honor Jesus Christ. That's where I learned it. One more thought God gives us. Look on the screen. Oh, how true this is. I memorized this. 
You all have been around No, I've talked about my rebellion to my parents. Not even proud of it. <laughs> that rebellion influenced my children. Until my 30s, I realized I didn't honor Jesus' authority. I became a Christian whenever I was a teenager. Look at this verse. Think the first sentence is true? It is never fun to be corrected. Some of you can't wait till this is over. But I truly believe the Holy Spirit is working. And some of you men in your 60s and 70s and 50s and 40s and 30s, it's not fun to hear it, but God is correcting. And you ladies too. I'm just a man. I always talk to men. In fact, it says at times it's always painful. You don't think a two, three-year-old doesn't think that? But, there's one of those big butts in the Bible. If you had your Bible open, I'd tell you to circle that butt. That's a big butt. <laughs> but if we learn to obey, now listen, just doesn't say learn to obey. Learn to obey by what? By my mom and daddy's correction. By my pastor's correction. By God's correction. By my mate's correction. By my brother or sister's correction. But if I learn to obey by being corrected, which is always painful, he says we will do right and live at peace. And those two things at the end of that, after that but, is what all of us want. Even people who choose to make wrong decisions and do wrong and get thrown in jail wish they could do right. You see, the first thing that comes from learning through correction is you learn to do right. And the second thing you learn is to live at peace. Peace in the job that's mundane. Peace in the employment that will never give you what somebody else makes, but you learn to be at peace. Peace in your marriage. Peace when your health is being robbed. Peace when it doesn't seem like it's fair because somebody told a lie about you. But you learn to do right and live at peace. And that's what we all want. Now, people connection. Do you honor authority? I should get one of those signs. I put them on those four back rows. I put them there because people come in late. It says, please don't sit in the four back rows. This is safe for people, safe for mothers who feel like they can't take their child to preschool. And it's people coming late. I watch every Sunday. Connection people. I watch them sit out there so they can wait to get that seat. See, so when you say, I honor authority, and that's a small detail. I'm not trying to win any battle here. I'm just telling you, you know whether you're learning by being corrected. I give you the rationale. But you see, who's the authority? That's what that, that's what that mother was trying to do. I mean, I, I probably listened to that thing ten times. That boy was using grandma who wasn't there to win an argue with mama. Because he wouldn't recognize her authority. If we learn to be corrected, I mean, if we learn to obey when we're corrected, folks, 
God says two results. You're going to learn to do right and you're going to learn to live at peace, which we all want. So look again in your Bible. You're in the 13th chapter, the 24th verse, or look on the screen. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Would you bow with me for prayer and then we're finished when I say amen. Father, thank You. May these words be to the glory of the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. Amen.